So a new Second Amendment case is up for Supreme Court consideration, and it involves concealed carry reciprocity along with nonviolent misdemeanors. So let's talk about this. But real quick before you jump into this video, if you agree that it's time for the Supreme Court to once again uphold our right to keep and bear arms, go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe. Also, I want to give a shout out to one of the main supporters of this channel, which is USCCA. Through your membership, you get training, education, and self-defense liability protection. So if you carry a firearm, I highly recommend you take a look into USCCA, and I'll put a link to them down in the details section. So like I said in the intro, a new Second Amendment case is now up for Supreme Court consideration. The facts around this case show why national concealed carry reciprocity is drastically needed and that the Supreme Court needs to look at this type of issue. This case involves the state of Massachusetts ban on a person who has been convicted of a nonviolent misdemeanor from ever being able to purchase a handgun. This case seeks review from the Supreme Court to strike down lifetime bans that prevent people with nonviolent misdemeanors from ever being able to purchase firearms. And again, this whole case arose out of a man with a concealed carry permit crossing state lines and then magically becoming a criminal and getting charged and convicted of a misdemeanor. So let's talk about some of the background surrounding this case and how this case is now impacted by the Supreme Court's recent ruling in Bruin. Petitioner Dr. Alfred Mord is a Massachusetts resident who in October 2004 traveled to Washington, D.C. with a handgun. At the time, Dr. Morin had a Massachusetts license to carry a firearm, but he did not know that D.C. laws prohibited him from carrying his gun despite the fact that he had a Massachusetts license to carry concealed. Dr. Morton attended the American Museum for Modern History, where he saw a sign prohibiting firearms, so he decided to approach a guard to inquire about checking his gun that he was carrying concealed. Upon finding out that he had a firearm, police arrested Dr. Morton and charged him with carrying a pistol without a license in Washington, D.C., in violation of D.C. laws. On November 8th of 2004, Dr. Morton pleaded guilty to attempting to carry a pistol without a license in violation of D.C.'s codes. The Superior Court of D.C. sentenced Dr. Morin to 60 days imprisonment and ultimately suspended his execution of those days because he had already served them. And then he was put on three months of supervised uh, probation and 20 hours of community service. In February of 2008, Dr. Morin submitted a new application to renew his license to carry to the Northboro, Massachusetts Police Department. After learning about his 2004 misdemeanor conviction in D.C., the chief of police in Northboro denied the application for his renewal. In February 2015, more than 10 years after his guilty pleas, Dr. Morton applied again for a license to carry from the Northboro Police Department. He was again denied the application. He then sued for the deprivation of his right to keep and bear arms. A district court on review found that the right to carry outside the home is different from the core right to possess a weapon inside of the home. Since it did not impact a core right, the court found that as long as the restriction served as an important purpose or served an important purpose, it was valid. The district court found that preventing potentially dangerous persons from carrying concealed weapons in public was an important purpose and therefore ruled against Dr. Morin in that case. He then appealed that decision. The First Circuit eventually ruled that there was no constitutional deprivation because a firearm identification card and FID card in conjunction with a permit to purchase allows one to acquire a firearm and to possess it in one's home, and therefore he had the ability to exercise his Second Amendment rights. Again, the court is limiting the core right to only within the home and saying with an FID card and a permit to purchase, he still had the right to keep and bear arms, and therefore the denial of his carry permit was therefore permissible. Well, after the First Circuit's ruling, Dr. Morin submitted an application for a firearms identification card and a permit to purchase. However, he had his permit to purchase denied, by the police department because of his prior misdemeanors, Dr. Morin then filed another lawsuit claiming that without a license to carry or a permit to purchase, 
He has no lawful method to purchase a handgun for use in home for self-defense. The court acknowledged that the only way he could acquire a handgun was only through inheritance, but they said that it wasn't a complete ban on him being able to acquire a handgun since he could inherit one. So that is the long, complicated mess and background that has now led to this case being up for Supreme Court review. The question presented in the petition is whether a state can impose a lifetime ban on purchasing handguns, but not possessing them, against anyone who has been convicted of a nonviolent misdemeanor that involved concealed carrying a firearm in another state, despite the fact that he had a carry permit in his own state. But because he crossed state lines, was found in possession of a concealed handgun, all of a sudden he's hit with a misdemeanor and can no longer purchase a handgun in his own state. This case shows the drastic pitfalls of concealed carry reciprocity. This can and often does happen to people all over the US. People often assume because you have a license to carry in your own state, they can then travel anywhere and not end up getting arrested for violating another state laws. But as we've seen here in this case, it often does happen. Also, this case shows how prior to Bruin, lower courts have tried to argue that the Second Amendment only applies to self-defense within the home and does not extend outside of the home. And also lower courts like the First Circuit here used a type of analysis looking at the Second Amendment in a interest balancing approach instead of looking at the text in history of the Second Amendment to reach a determination of what actually is appropriate. However, in Bruin, the Supreme Court just rejected all these arguments that were used by the lower courts here in this Morn case. In fact, Thomas stated that nothing in the Second Amendment's text draws a home slash public distinction with respect to the right to keep and bear arms and the definition of bear naturally encompasses public carry. Moreover, the Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to possess and carry weapons in case of confrontation, and confrontation can surely take place outside of the home. He went on to state that we too agree and now hold consistent with Heller and McDonald that the Second and 14th Amendments protect an individual right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside of the home. So the argument that the District Court and First Circuit Court of Appeals used saying that the right does not apply outside of the home is now 100% invalid. Also, the Supreme Court rejected intermediate scrutiny, which was used by the Circuit Court of Appeals here. And they said that instead of using things like intermediate scrutiny or balancing of interest, you need to look at the text as informed by relevant history and tradition. So the state of Massachusetts bears the burden of showing that there is some sort of historical analog dating back to 1791 that serves as a basis for this restriction that they have in place. Now, this case was set for Supreme Court conference on September 28th. So this is one of the first Second Amendment cases that will be up for Supreme Court consideration in a post-Bruin world. This case is especially interesting because the lower court's arguments are exactly the type of arguments that the Supreme Court rejected in Bruin. However, this case is different in the fact that it deals with nonviolent misdemeanor prohibitions on the right to keep and bear arms. This is an issue that the Supreme Court has not yet addressed, so they will have to decide whether or not they want to take up this issue, if they want to address this, and go even further in the Second Amendment context by taking up more cases. Another thing the Supreme Court could do is grant, vacate, and remand the case back down for reconsideration in light of Bruin, because especially since the uh, First Circuit looked at this issue, looked at this case in a way that was not definitely not in line with Bruin because Bruin was not decided yet, but they looked at it in light of interest balancing, and they also said that the Second Amendment does not extend outside of the home. So a lot of the determinations that the lower court used were just simply not in line with what the current jurisprudence is. So the Supreme Court could want a cleaner slate, have the First Circuit look at this case again, decide again in light of Bruin, and ultimately if this case makes its way back up to the Supreme Court, maybe then they would take it. But they could also take it right here and now and really set an example by taking up another Second Amendment case. So we will know in September 
what the Supreme Court intends to do. Are they going to take up another Second Amendment case, this one specifically, Morin, or are they going to simply kick any case back down that was not considered in light of Bruin? So that's a quick rundown of what this case involves. Many states and courts find purchase and possession bans against people with nonviolent misdemeanors and felonies to be constitutional, and this case would go a long way to resolving those specific issues. This case will also help signal early if the Supreme Court intends to take up more Second Amendment cases going further to flush out all these Second Amendment issues, or are they simply going to remand back down prior existing cases that were not considered in light of Bruin? So this could end up being another landmark case. Like I said, it's going to be one of the first cases that's gonna be considered in light of a post-Bruin world. So we will definitely be keeping our eyes on this case and we will see what happens in September. If you have any questions, go ahead and comment down below and I'll try to answer the best of my ability. Also, click this video and like to support the channel. One of the best ways to do that is to like, comment, and subscribe. All those things help to fuel the algorithm or fuel Al Gore's rhythm. It adds fuel to his jet and signals to YouTube that you guys see value in these videos and in this type of two-way news. Again, I wanna thank everybody who likes, comments, subscribes who hits the notification bell, who shares these videos. You guys are directly impacting these videos, impacting this channel, helping me to reach and educate more people than I could ever do on my own. So again, thank you so much for all of your support. And as always, thank you all for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And never forget, this is Built by Arm Scholars, and this nation will be maintained by Arm Scholars.